Yeah. <laughs> All right. Will you do a redo? Yeah, I, I need a new sound guy, too, if anybody's interested in this position. <laughs> I think I just fired one. Hit it again. And turn it to 11. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good. All right, so grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And once again, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right, we'll work on that. Like I, I always like to say at this moment, you know, this time of the year, um, I remember when 2000, the year 2000 was this mystery that was going to be some scientific kind of thing, you know, only for sci-fi movies. Um, we were supposed to have rolling sidewalks in every city. We were supposed to have flying cars. Still waiting for those to happen. I feel like I'm getting gypped a little bit here. But So, all right. So what this, I want to talk about this morning is that New Year's um, revolution, right? Not just so I could play the Beatles, but maybe so I could play the Beatles. But before I get to that, though, I want to talk about uh, that New Year's resolution, the thing we usually hear about. And by a show of hands, how many of you have made a New Year's resolution this year? But well, that's not a thing, huh? One. Okay, all right. Well, we'll talk about that more later. All right, so I've got a top 10 list of New Year's resolutions people th uh, try to do at the beginning of a year. Um, and so number, well, in no particular order, they, but they try to lose weight. And they try to save money. New Year's resolution, get physically fit. Eat healthy. Learn something new. Drink less alcohol. These are just guidelines. Quit smoking, which of course will lead to reduced stress, which will lead to better sleep, and then people also want to travel. Trouble is with these things, by most statistics, 40% of these New Year's resolutions will be broken by the end of January, and 75% of people will not make it to Valentine's Day, but you can see why. You know, that's a tough list. Those are some difficult things to accomplish. So I like to give my own New Year's resolutions list, things that we can accomplish. All right, here's some of them. Number one, read fewer books. <laughs> Number two, gain 30 pounds. Where's that on your list? How about spend more time on Facebook or whatever your social media is? Eat out more. And this is my favorite, buy more stuff on Amazon.com, right? So the question for us should be, why do we make New Year's resolutions? Why do we do that in the first place? Because, and the answer to that is because we want things to be better next year. We want to have better experiences. We want to have a better life. Because um, if we're all completely honest, uh, we might admit that on, you know, New Year's Eve, the day of New Year's Eve, we might be celebrating um, not so much the new year that's coming in or, or you know, uh, surviving the last year rather than thriving in the new year. So uh, we're happy to be survivors from last year. So I want to talk about some terms, some ideas, and then I want to talk about some goals for 2024, which is still hard for me to say. 2024, I'm not used to that yet. It's like February by the time I get used to that. But I want to talk about the change that God has in store for us. So um, we see, hear everybody say, I want a New Year's resolution. They, they want to make New Year's resolution. But what exactly is a resolution? Right? We use that word all the time. A resolution in Webster's Dictionary is this. It's a statement 
We resolve. That's what our Constitution says. Well, a statement, a firm decision to do or not to do something. Right? But it's just talking. It's just words. We've decided to stop doing something. You know, stop smoking, stop gossiping, stop drinking, whatever it is. Or we've decided to start doing something. To try to learn something, a new language, a new instrument, or uh, we want to save more, we want to work out more. But by definition, you heard the stats earlier, our, our New Year's resolutions usually fail. Um, because the reason they fail is because we fail to make those life changes. We fail to change what we're doing, change our life or change our lifestyle, um, so that those ideas will actually play out in our lives. So this morning, this, this New Year's Eve, I want to submit to you that we need to up the ante a little bit on those New Year's resolutions. Uh, we need to go a little bit further than a resolution is making a firm decision. We need to go a little bit further than making a firm decision about something we want to do. We've got to go a little bit further. If we expect or we want 2024 to be a year that we thrive in rather than a year we simply survive another year. So I'm going to baby step our way forward with a couple more terms, right, about this uh, more firm than a resolution. Um, what we need to bring up uh, more than a resolution, um, Luther would call it a reformation, right? And you can thank Luther for sending, shedding some light on that. A reformation, by definition, is a new way of living. If you're reformed on something, you've, it's a new way of living. So if you think about it, that's what a New Year's resolution is all about a new way of living for the better. Not just for the sake of, of newness, and, um, but I think that's what people are really looking for, really, truly looking for that reformation. But as humans, we, we fail, or what we fail to do is, is actually change our actions. Right? Those resolutions, those are thoughts, those are ideas, but our thoughts lead to words, and our words should lead to actions, and sometimes our actions lead to consequences, but uh, good and bad. But first, those words are thoughts, so we need to maybe change the way we think, right? And then, again, that might change our habits a little bit more. Now, all of those ideas and a few more that I'm going to mention sort of come out, um, come to the front of, for us at the beginning of a new year. But God doesn't want us to stop with statements or just ideas or just thoughts, right? He wants us to have new ideas, new actions. Uh, and so, literally, what God is saying um, we're not looking so much for a happy new year. God is looking for a happy new you, is how we say it. He's looking for a happy new you. Right? The first thing he says is we've got to leave those things in the past that belong in the past and look forward to the future, the things that belong in the future. And God gives us a clear path on how to do that. He gives us the instruction manual on how to go about that, how to make those ideas change, how to have that New Year's revolution. Right? Not just some statements, not just some thoughts, but a, a goal and something that we need to go for. So God shows us a path of how to, how to achieve that goal. And I want to show you and I want to connect some dots here with his words that he gives us and some of the ideas that he gives us. I want to start in Philippians 3. This is Paul speaking now. And I like to frame that. And we've been talking about uh, the Apostle Paul a lot in our Tuesday morning Bible study. Um, and I'm, I give Paul genius status. Paul is a a very intelligent human being. He knows what's going on, and he knows his shortcomings as well as he knows um, everything else. So that's what he's talking about here. So when, when Paul starts talking about his shortcomings, we should kind of look at that and say, it's okay to admit that we're falling short of where we want to be and where we should be going. And that's what he's doing here. He says, I don't mean that I am exactly what God wants me to be. I have not yet reached that goal. 
but I continue trying to reach it and make it mine. Make what mine? What God wants me to be. Don't we pray that almost every Sunday up here, you know, to help us understand who we are so that we can be the people that you created us to be. That should be our prayer. That should be our goal. That's what he's saying here. He's not reached that goal, but I continue to try to make it mine. That's what Christ Jesus wants me to do. It's the reason he made me his. Right? It's the reason he made me his. That phrase up there at the top, and it's different in different uh, translations, he says, I don't, I don't mean that I am exactly what God wants me to be. Exactly what God wants me to be. Um, the Greek word for that would be something that's been accomplished. Or better yet, something that has been completed. I understand that I have not accomplished the things that God wants me to accomplish. I understand that I am not complete the way that God wants me to be complete. He, I'm not exactly the way God wants me to be, but I'm still striving for that. I'm still reaching for that goal. Continue to reach it. Continue trying to reach it. If you think you're where God wants you to be and exactly where God wants you to be, then I'm going to dismiss you for a few minutes because the rest of us got some stuff to talk about. Maybe get downstairs and set up some plates for us for lunch later, right? But we're going to catch up with the rest of that. So I have not reached that goal yet, but I've pressed on. I've not reached that goal yet. And he's going to start, Paul also talks about how he has failed. Um, do you feel like you've made any mistakes this year in 2023? Was, uh, were there any, was it a year of mistakes? Any failures, any place you came up short? Not only in your, in your relationship with God, but in our relationship with others and our relationship with ourselves. Right? Anybody need a do-over, right? We just need a mulligan here. But the question then becomes, do we want the old do you want the old you to become the new you? Happy new you, right? The first thing Paul does here is he, he admits that I'm falling short. I'm not there yet. And he's not saying it in some sort of self-defeating way where so you say it in front of a friend so that friend will put their arm around you and say, oh, it's not so bad, you're not so bad, you're doing okay. No, Paul's like, man, I am missing the mark here. I'm falling short and i got to make some changes. I'm changing the way I think, changing my actions, I'm changing my life, I'm changing the way things are going. And he actually understands that and he wants it. He wants that new and he wants it now. So the first thing, like I said a moment ago, is the first thing that God wants us to do is leave that past behind. So what I'm talking about this morning is a good old-fashioned, what I named the title of the message, is a good old revolution, right? You see the big, want to hear the Beatles again? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. All right, so why do I use the word revolution here? Revolution, what exactly is a revolution, right? We've heard that word, the American Revolution, French Revolution. Dictionary definition, Webster's definition is a radical change. I like that a lot. A radical change. And if you've been following me so far, you're going to be thinking, okay, we've got to have a radical change in a couple of places. First of all, we have a radical change in the way we think about our relationship with God, right? And that leads to some of the things we might say and leads some to our actions and leads to a radical change, right? It also means this, a change in leadership. I'm going to key in on that in a moment. A forcible overthrow, because sometimes we don't want to make that change, and we have to force ourselves to make that change. Right? I don't want to get up at 5.30 and work out every morning, but I'm going to force that to happen. Right? I have new leadership, new control here, radical change. But here's the key to that revolution. This is why I use that word. 
It's used to describe something that returns to its original point. Something that returns to its original point or origins. If you've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it a thousand times, and you're going to hear it a thousand more times. What's our, or, what's our original state? God created you to have a relationship with him. That's what we have to get back to. That's the revolution that we need to get back to again. That's what 2024 has to be about. God designed you, we saw it a second ago, God designed in Philippians, God designed you with him in mind. Right? It's the reason he made me his. For God to be your leader to follow. Your leader to follow. And even though we know that that's true, right? even though we have this difficult time, this conflict within us. And Paul says that's okay because that's who we are. And once we start understanding these things, then we can start making a difference. We can start making a change. We can start making that radical change, right? That forcible overthrow, that change in leadership, going back to that original point. Romans 7, 5 talks about that, that conflict. Paul says, I don't really understand myself. Can I get an amen to that? I don't really understand myself. I don't know why I do the things that I do, right? What I want to do is right things, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the evil things that we can parenthetically put that in, the evil things that I hate. And why? I, I don't know. I'm trying, right? I'm going to go back, Paul says, back to that other line that says, I, I know I'm not exactly the way God wants me to be because I'm a mess. He knows he's right, right? He knows right from wrong, I should say. He knows right from wrong, but still doesn't choose it. There's a great Rush song that says that there, Jeff. New world man. Even the Apostle Paul understands that he, are you listening to me? Even the Apostle Paul understands that he needs a change of command. Where's Allie back there? She was talking about the army here a second ago. Paul understands he needs a change of command. Because the commander that I'm working for right now, me, it's not working i got to let somebody else be in charge for a while. If we're the ones in charge, we're not going to make the right choice. Paul says, I want to do what's right, but I don't. I do the things that, that I hate. I do the evil things that I hate. Because there's this conflict going on inside our heads, inside our very beings, right? It's like this constant boxing, sparring match that goes on. You know, there's um, the Native American um, sitting bull. All right, that's who this quote is contributed to, and I'm not going to argue with it. He said this about that conflict, right? He said, there's two dogs. It's like there's two dogs in my head that are fighting all the time. One's good and one's evil, and they're fighting it out. And somebody said, well, which one wins? Which dog wins? And you know what he said? He said, whichever one I feed, right? whichever one I'm encouraging, whichever one I'm choosing is the one that's going to win. Sometimes we think that we don't have any control over that. Mm, it's just the opposite. We have complete control over that. And Paul says that in Galatians 5.17. This conflict, this constant boxing, sparring match, these dogs fighting at each other in your heads. The sinful nature wants to do evil. Again, can I just say an amen to that, right? I mean, we could full stop right there. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Notice capital S, that's God. That's the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. There's this constant conflict going on, and they're button heads, man. 
right? We're getting the right information, but are we always choosing it, right? We're hearing it, we're feeling it, we know it, but Paul says, I, I don't understand why I'm so bad at this. Two forces constantly fighting each other. Two forces constantly fighting each other. Constantly, that means all the time, right? We're constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions, free to carry out the things that we want to do. Right? So in this corner, we have the sinful desires of life. And in this corner, we have the Holy Spirit. We have to decide which way are we going to choose? Who are we going to go with here? We have to decide who's in charge here. Who's in command here? Is it my will or is it God's will? And before you answer too quickly here, as some often do, I'm asking you, uh, if you're choosing God's will, what is God's will? You know, I say it all the time. If I gave you a three-by-five card, pass it out and said, why don't you write down what God's will is, I wonder how many of us would actually get a textbook answer on that. We're going to shoot from the hip, and we're going to say, oh, God's will is for me to win the lottery, isn't it? How about we start with the fact that that we can know God's will. Maybe we make 2024 the year that we understand God's will for our lives and understand how we work in it and how we fit in it. So when we have this constant conflict going on in our heads, we can actually know where we're supposed to be. Paul says, you with me? Paul says, I know God's will for me. And I think, do we, do we know that? Do we know what God really wants for me? But we've got to start at square one here. You can hear the series coming on, can't you? We're starting to square one here, the fact that we can know God's will. Ephesians 5.15, if you're taking notes. Therefore, do not be foolish. And this is a command, my friends. I got the wrong verse, Jared. I'm so sorry. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. One of us got it wrong. Sometimes I, I mix numbers around. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That's a command. Understand what the Lord's will is. At the beginning of the service, and I did this on purpose, I asked how many of you have made a New Year's resolution and nobody raised their hand. And I get it. You don't dare raise your hand in church, right? Reuben, the last time you raised your hand in church, you ended up teaching Sunday school, right? <laughs> so me. So maybe our New Year's resolution for 2024 is to better understand the will of God. Right? Or what the will of the Lord is, if you will. Thank you, Jared. To understand what the will of the Lord is. Are you, are you tracking with me? Turn to somebody and say, I'm tracking so far. In order to understand God's will, in order to follow God's will, some of us are going to need a major overhaul in how we do things. Maybe I shouldn't say some of us. We're going to need a major overhaul in the way we do things. We'll need more than a resolution, just a way of talking, right? Mere words. We need more than, more than that reforming, like I said, even living differently. We need a new way of living. We need new leadership. We need a new chain of command. In order to be able to understand God's will for our lives, most of us are going to need a major revolution in our lives. Revolution, I'm calling what we need, what we're needing an internal, an internal revolution. Remember, that means a change of leadership. Remember, it's returning to the original form. Returning to your origins. 
God created you to have that relationship with him. What's his will? To have a relationship with him. And we need to turn to God to do that. Because we turn to all kinds of different places. Right? Let that be 2023. Let that be the thing that you leave in the past, turning to other places. Tonight at 11.59 and however many seconds, there's going to be millions of people, maybe a billion people, watching that ball drop in New York uh, Times Square, New York City Times Square. It's something we do, right? We've been doing that since 1904, over 100 years. 1907 is actually when they started dropping that ball, right? Five feet in diameter weighed 700 pounds, and we've been doing it every year. Maybe one year we missed it, like in 1942, because there was a blackout because of the war. The crowd still greeted, they're still gathered there and greeted each other the new year in. Over years, over the years, that, that time ball, right, has undergone some redesigns. Uh, the most recent one was for the millennial celebration in 2000. Um, Waterford Crystal designed one. Six feet in diameter, weighs over 1,000 pounds now. And it's covered with triangles. I was trying to find a good picture of it. It's covered with triangles. Um, 504 triangles on this ball. And each of those triangles has a different designation. Now, this is the world. This is the way the world thinks. And this is the way we have to change the way we think. Right? This is the, the reformation re that we need. This is the reforming that we need. This is the resolution that we need. Right? Those triangles are, are, are designated. One is called, um, I'm reading here, um, hope for fellowship, hope for peace, hope for wisdom, hope for unity, hope for courage, hope for healing. Right? So all those triangles, those 504 triangles, each have a different hope on them, worldly kind of hope. Right? But that revolution that we need in our lives is going to change the way we think. The name of that ball, the name of that ball is called the Star of Hope. Because at the beginning of each new year, it is a time for hope. It's a time for opportunity. It's a time for us to grasp hold of our future or our destiny or our origins, if you will. So that future, though, that, that origin of going back depends on, on you. Depends on which dog you're going to feed, if you will. Depends on which commander you're going to follow. The hope for us, Christians, sitting here talking about this, the hope for us doesn't lie in, in wishing on a star, the star of hope. It doesn't mean wishing on a star. It's about experiencing a revolution that puts Jesus at the wheel, puts him in charge. I want to go back to that gospel reading for a second. I just want you to think about it and take that home with you, please, and read that. It's God's will that we remain or abide in him. So now, I want you to resolve. I want you to reform and I want you to have that mental, internal revolution that's going to make 2024 the year of learning and following God's will. Amen? Amen. Let's stand.